Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm Ryan Coonerty. Along with Debbie Cox Bolton of the New Deal, I'm lucky enough to be your co-host. An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an organization that supports the next generation of American leaders. From attorneys generals, to state senators, to mayors, to school board members, these are the people that are pushing policies and politics that will respond to climate change, rebuild our economy, address racial injustice, and restore our democracy. These are incredibly talented people who have dedicated themselves to public service when their country and their communities need it the most. Check out newdealleaders.org to see what I'm talking about. I'm your co-host, Debbie Cox Bolton. In this episode, I speak with Francisco Heredia, city council member in Mesa, Arizona. We talked about his state's upcoming primary and what Arizona voters care about the most, as well as his thoughts on whether Latino voters nationally are moving away from the Democratic Party. We also talked about the challenges of governing in a city that's among the fastest growing anywhere in the country and what that means for things like transportation and broadband, as well as how his growing up the son of migrant farm workers instilled in him values that led him to a path of public service. Hope you enjoy. All right, Francisco Heredia, welcome to an honorable profession. Thank you for the invitation. It's so nice to see you, and I'm excited to talk to you. We're, you're sitting in Arizona, really important political state this year, not too far before your primary, and you've got a governor's race, a very high-profile Senate race. Just kind of thought I would start with you know, how you're feeling and th- how things are looking there. Sure. You know, it's very hot here in Arizona, both on the on the temperature, but also the politics, right? So <laughs> it, it's always, uh, you know, as, as Arizona becomes more of, of that purplish state, a much more competitive state, in, up and down elections, both at statewide level and at the local level as well, we have uh, a political environment that is, I think it's, it's important for people to get engaged and and get in the process to understand what government does and and uh, and to vote in the democratic process because people should be be hearing and knowing of who their representatives are and who are making the decisions that will affect them every day when they step out to go to work or go to school or anything the elected leaders have the opportunities uh, to make those decisions what our current state and our future state looks like. So it's very important. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the primary, which is August 2nd, and then, of course, the November general election here in Arizona. Yeah. Are there issues that are driving the primary in particular? Like what's foremost on people's minds there? I think the economy definitely is an important issue, as we're seeing inflation definitely affecting folks, uh, gas prices, right? I think those are kind of top of mind, just uh, everyday bread and butter issues for folks that have to deal with, uh, you know, going to work, wh- how much money they have to spend on groceries and, and gas uh, to do that. So definitely economy is uh, top of mind for folks. Other issues uh, like education. Education has always been a, a, an important issue for Arizonans at, at the local level, at the statewide level. And so we're we're looking at how education kind of improves here, especially our public school system. And then the other issues that, that pop up and here is water, climate change. 
uh, is definitely has come up more and more based on just the what we're dealing with as far as you know the amount of storms and the water shortages that we've been encountering. And so strategizing that for the future so that we have a future here in Arizona, it's going to be important for, for local leaders and, and, and state leaders to work together in figuring out solutions to, to this issue. Yeah. And do you f- kind of feel like the person, the people, you know, whoever speaks to that, to those issues, particularly the economic issues, you know, that's going to be the, the decisive, you know, definitive outcome or, you know, what are people going to need to do to be successful either in the primary or in the general there? Yeah, I think economic issues will be important for folks because that's a, such a top of mind. You know, there, there's a lot of rhetoric on other issues like immigration still, but I think economics, jobs, what's being done around inflation, those are going to be important items that people will be voting on who who will have those solutions for our communities moving forward. So hopefully our politics don't go in, into a rabbit hole on issues around rhetoric, but focus on important things like our economy and bringing more jobs into Arizona and, and working with stakeholders like cities and and, uh, and others uh, to expand opportunities for our residents. Yeah, I want, I want to ask you just one other political question, which is, or kind of political landscape generally question. I know that you're really active with groups like the National Association of Latino Officials and the Hispanic Local Elected Officials. And I saw that Ron Brownstein had a piece in The Atlantic yesterday entitled, Are Latinos Realigning Toward Republicans? And I guess I'd love your thoughts around, you know, that that's a huge conversation that's happening uh, nationally is kind of Latino vote Generally, of course, there are like any group, you know, that is not a monolith and people have different opinions, but kind of what's your take on that big question about the political kind of outlook for Latinos? Yeah, I think you look, Latinos are are not a monolith, right? It's it's a diverse community of, of thoughts and um, values that play into what the politics of families and voters are. So I think my experience has been you know, the, the more our parties reach out to them, they, they have a conversation with uh, with them, the more and more activation they see. For the most part, a lot of the, when you look at overall, uh, Democrats have been, I think, more positive per se uh, amongst the Latino community. Uh, what we've seen here in Arizona, Republicans really have played a, a more of a rhetoric attacking Latinos here, especially on the issue of immigration, uh, has been kind of a point of distinction here over the last 20 plus years. And so, but uh, it, again, it, it, I think Latinos are moderate voters out there that if talked to, if you have the right investments in, in those communities, you'll you'll have people listening to you uh, like any any other community that you pay attention to and work on the issues that they want to see resolved, I think you'll see some some activation with them. But I think for the most part, you know, Democrats have, have worked harder, I think, on creating spaces for, for Latinos here in the state. But definitely uh, Republicans have an opportunity. But uh, I think the rhetoric on immigration and a couple other issues uh, that affect Latinos really uh, hamper them in the state. Yeah, and looking ahead to the this election, 
you know, you were talking earlier about some of those issues and, and really kind of making the point that the economic issues are, it's going to come down to that. Do you, you know, would you say that that's the same, even though that you've got this opportunity to do better as Democrats because of some of those, you know, previous stances on immigration and other things, you know, do you think it, for the Latino and Hispanic community in Arizona, it'll also come down to the economic issues? Yeah, I would say economic and education. I think those two issues are, are, are always top of mind for many Latinos as far as you know what what type of education I want to make sure we have for our future for my kids uh, moving forward and so those two issues will be important on having realistic solutions to our communities here and so Latinos will really focus uh, I think on those two issues have been focusing on those two issues for the most part uh, I think. The uh, the uh, the issue of immigration kind of plays as a baseline as far as uh, uh, issue, but it, the economy and education are are going to be top of mind here. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit. So as I mentioned in the intro for folks that you know you're on the Mesa City Council, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about what's going on there. You're in Maricopa County, along with Phoenix and Tempe, to situate you on a map for people. And that is, the, I believe, the fastest growing county in the country, which is pretty, it has to be kind of exciting and daunting all at the same time. So what does that mean for you as a, as a city leader in terms of thinking about both opportunities and challenges with that kind of pace of growth? Yeah, the city of Mesa, for those that don't know, we're a suburb of the Phoenix area. Uh, we're actually the third largest city in the state of Arizona. We're about 520,000 people as far as population and growing. And so that is definitely, per your comment around Maricopa County, the fastest growing county, we're seeing more and more people move to Arizona, move to Maricopa County. And so that is uh, exciting, like you said, but also a challenge, a challenge for us at the local level to ensure that we have the infrastructure, the resources, and, and the ability to provide a quality life uh, for for people that are moving into our city. And so that's that's going to be for us um, the 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 challenge to figure out on key issues like infrastructure issues around workforce and education. And others, uh, as we look at, as I mentioned, water and our transit options that I've been keen on over the last four years I've been on council, really looking at how do we improve upon what's already there. And so I represent a part of town that's uh, it's it's older part of town in Mesa. So we're district based. I represent District three. And so, which is more diverse, more dense. And so looking at options of what we do moving forward to improve the lives of, of our residents here is what I've been focusing on. What, just at, just totally out of curiosity, what do you think is driving that growth? What's bringing people to Arizona? I think opportunity for, uh, for a long time, uh, Arizona ha- has been fairly affordable, though we're seeing much more less affordability around housing, cost of living. But for a long time, I would say prior to maybe maybe 10 years, five years, it was still affordable when you're looking at other parts of the country, right? So I think that has been a driver for this growth. Also, the ability to, to work. A lot more companies have been coming into to Arizona over the last 20 years companies from aerospace to technology, 
car automation, you name it, uh, that industry is coming. Uh, you know, uh, semiconductor, we, we're going to have one, two of the largest semiconductor companies here in the Valley with Intel and TMSC in the Phoenix area. So those provide jobs, quality jobs for, for individuals. So I think those are, has been some of the drivers here for many people to look at Arizona to settle down. Yeah, that makes sense. Not to mention it's a gorgeous state. <laughs> Thank <laughs> so, you. Yes. <laughs> we can't forget that part. So Francisco, another, I know another really big part of infrastructure that you guys are doing right, that right now is broadband expansion. I've, I've, I've been reading. Sure. Obviously that's because with the bipartisan infrastructure deal, I don't know how much that money you guys are to be able to take advantage of is a huge priority for the administration and federally to get broadband, highest quality, affordable broadband access across the country. And it may seem like this is a really hot topic to go back to your hot reference earlier in Mesa. How are you guys thinking about that? Yeah, we uh, actually, good question, because we just voted on working with uh, industry to have fiber layout throughout the whole city of Mesa. And this is I think we're the first city in the state of Arizona to to do this. Other cities across the country ha- have started this and uh, have moved forward with this, but we feel strongly, uh, and this is, goes back to my infrastructure uh, uh, piece, right? And ensuring that we have the infrastructure needed to work with our residents and those that are moving in and those that are here, uh, really uh, this this move, this decision, uh, we're bringing in a uh, couple companies, one that one being Google Fiber and others, and really looking at new technology on how do we lay out so it doesn't disrupt our streets and our neighborhoods to essentially provide fiber to every household, every every business here in Mesa over the next 10 years. And so that's that's definitely an exciting development. We've had other other strategies as well, we've been expanding our Wi-Fi network in our low-income communities around downtown Mesa to ensure that our, our students and, and our small businesses have access to, to Wi-Fi and, and providing, working with the public school system to provide routers for, for low-income families. So we've had various different strategies over the last two, three years uh, to really look at that digital divide that we noticed during COVID quite a bit. One one stat that I always remember early on during the shutdown was from our public school administrator saying that when they went from in school to online, they immediately lost about 9,000 students in that shift. And they they were working uh, uh, diligently on trying to get back those students, uh, but it was hard because they didn't have, you know, wife uh, internet service. They didn't have the proper service per se to use online options that the schools were depending upon to reach these students. So we took that to know. We invested on many laptops and routers and and uh, and, uh, and other items to provide for for our students. But the infrastructure was really, for us, is something that we feel is future-proof. And that's why we are moving forward on, on this fiber initiative throughout our city. That's so exciting, actually. And it, it, you know, to your point, it's like 
it's not just school, right? It's school. And now that kids are back in school, we were talking earlier before we aired about our, our own kids, you know, whether they're back in school full time, they're still needing internet connection for homework, for after school, you know, not to mention, as you said, small business and telehealth. I mean, just it really, it feels like it's such a, you know, a critical part of everybody's life that, you know, that to not have that kind of high speed, reliable internet is just a huge disadvantage. And so it's really exciting to see what you guys are doing in Arizona and Mesa. And we're going to keep our, keep our eye on that for sure. I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of your own path into public service. As I read, you grew up, your parents were migrant farm workers. You grew up in kind of a rural, small rural town on the Arizona-Mexico border. Kind of tell us, tell us about growing up and whether or not as growing up, you thought that you'd kind of pursue a career that would lead you into public service or, or how did that come about? Sure. No, thank you. Yes, I grew up First of all, my, my family starts before I was born. They immigrated to this country from Mexico and worked as farm workers in Arizona and California and eventually settled down in, in Summerton, Arizona, which is close to the border, Arizona-Mexican border. And, and from early on, I think them working so hard to provide a, a, a better life than what they had really provided me, I think, the values that I share in everything that I do in public or, or my personal life really is the values of you know getting education of a family and hard work and I, I I say this word in Spanish is having ganas having the willpower uh, to make things happen not only for yourself but for your community and having that ganas to really work hard and that initiative that drive it has been an important asset for me in everything that, I, that I've done. And so I came to the Valley about 20 plus years ago to study at Arizona State University. And I stayed here uh, just based on the opportunities I had here then at a home, uh, though my, my parents still live uh, in Summerton and my extended family, which I had about 50 first cousins in Summerton, it is quite large. But I decided to come to the Valley and settled here, got my bachelor's and my master's in public administration. And I always had an, uh, a keen interest in in uh, in politics and community work. I started working in local communities for a school-based prevention program when I was in, in college. I did an internship in, in Washington, D.C. at a congressional office. I organized farm workers in North Carolina. And, and that those, there's, those experiment, experiences really shaped my perspective, perspective of, of life and, and what people have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and that's helped me uh, you know, learn and grow uh, as I pursued other interests. And so I've worked... In, in state governments, in the nonprofit sector, where I've, uh, I've led uh, organizations that worked on civic engagement initiatives. And more recently, uh, over the last six years, I started my own consulting firm and, and also a commercial print shop as a small business owner here in West Mesa. Through my experiences, uh, really um, led me to keep on uh, providing opportunities uh, to to grow, uh, to learn, and, and to provide other opportunities for folks to uh, do the same. And, and being on council has been a really a reflective uh, a moment for me to ensure 
for for what we can do with folks that have shared perspectives and different types of perspectives in in, in how we shape decisions and, and policies that affect our 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 residents and our community members. That that is an important aspect to have uh, on any government governing body because uh, as you govern, you really look at you know your past experiences, but also how those uh, decisions will affect the folks that you're you're making uh, those decisions for, right? And so having the conversations and the ability to interact with those individuals is an important uh, asset to know how to kind of maneuver and, and uh, disseminate information. So all these experiences for me has really shaped me in providing and giving back to a community that's given me so much. Yeah, that's so wonderful. And I did want to ask you about one aspect of your background because it just seems so, you know, uh, timely, which is you, you talked about coming going to, into both organizing and to government. You worked for the Maricopa County Recorder, uh, who's actually also, I think, a New Deal, I think it was Adrian Fontes, a New yes. Deal leader, another New Deal leader. And prior to that, you were the national field director for Mi Familia Vota. So you were doing, so you've been doing a lot of voting and election related yep. work as part of your journey. And again, just given where we are in terms of you know, what's happening with our democracy, you know, talking the night after the last January 6th hearing, kind of what's your, and you talked about this earlier when you, when I, when we first started talking, we were talking about the importance when the election of just making sure people get out and vote, you know, what's your take on kind of what, if anything, uh, well, I think there are things, what can local government officials do to help make sure people, you know, democracy is thriving? Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk to individuals, and I've been lucky to work over the last decade, more than a decade, on initiatives to to make uh, voting a lot easier, making the process uh, less less confusing. Uh, though sometimes uh, we take one step forward and three steps back, right? Uh, based on policies that folks at the legislature are passing, where it's actually. Um, sometimes making it harder to vote. But us as local officials, I think the, the more uh, education out there, the more information uh, 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 and facts that we can provide, the better our community will have as far as tools to, to make that decision for themselves. I think that's that's been an important aspect that I've learned through the work that I've done is that for for. A lot of people, you know, the day-to-day life and, and the rigors of, of that just uh, doesn't allow them to be as uh, as as uh, keen as uh, as us, per, 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 uh, perhaps, and in ensuring that they have the opportunity to access some tools in, in multiple languages uh, for those that speak Spanish or other languages, having facts out there that is not drawn out by you know, misinformation. And, and so us as local electeds, elected leaders, I think the more that we can provide those tools uh, on how to participate in the process is an important aspect that I've noticed that folks are clamoring for. Because I, I think through conversations and, and through my campaigns, I have knocked over 10,000 doors myself in my elections. And, and the basics that folks want to, they, they have an idea of what they're looking for, right? But 
they don't sometimes understand the process uh, of how they can get involved or how they can vote, you know, as, as simple as that, or how they can have a voice on on a certain development that's happening in their neighborhood. So the more information I would say that we can provide on that end, the better our, our community members will understand and, and hopefully participate in more numbers, I think. And that's, uh, we need to do a better job. And, and I always think about how do we do better? I think that we can't be complacent in saying that uh, we have uh, information out there. We need, always need to work on building on top of that and make things better for our people. Yeah. And speaking of making things better, I'll just end with, you know, you're becoming a council member, right? You were appointed to a vacancy for the first time and then had to run again. Is that, you know, what was that aha moment for you that you said, hey, I'm going to go from, you know, being that person who was working for nonprofits, working in government, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring to actually be a, an elected official. I suspect it has a roots of the answer that you just said, trying to make people's lives better. But, you know, what was that moment for you? You said, I'm going to, I'm going to step up and, and do this, maybe that other people can learn from. Yeah, no, for me, you know, the years of organizing and having conversations with people in various different sectors, for a large part, has been around civic engagement and voting rights. But also prior to that had been around healthcare, around civil rights and those aspects. For me, I think what drew me into to apply for the appointment was having the ability to affect policy. And, and always I have always been more of a behind the scenes person and really engaged in the, the policy work of what creates communities and what creates uh, the opportunities for 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 our members in, in our communities to uh, provide a, a better quality of life, and so having this opportunity really, you know, ha- has 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 given me to have and, and share my perspective based on my experiences, and then also learning from stakeholders that uh, these decisions that we make on the council affects them on a daily basis. So. Uh, really, that that piece was my interest to to really have an opportunity. Uh, I had been working kind of outside the the internal aspects of governing, but now the internal pieces of of how do you govern and shape our communities uh, really is where we need more folks to get involved. I think more people running for office that have different perspectives of life and and can apply those perspectives along with still being able to talk to stakeholders on shaping that policy, those decisions to provide a better quality of life is an important aspect. And we need more people like that in office, I would say. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And, you know, it's, you know, state and local leaders in particular right now, you are on the front lines of so much and and truly, to your point, you know, are shaping our future even more and more as things come down to the state and local level. So thank you for your service. Thank you for all you're doing. And, uh, and we're so happy to have you part of New Deal. And thanks for being willing to talk to me for a little bit today. It was great to great to see you. Perfect. Well, thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to share my experience. And I always say the local level, it's where it's at. It's where the decisions of day-to-day, what affects you on a day-to-day basis as as a person that lives in a neighborhood is where it's happening. So I am blessed to have this opportunity to represent City Mesa and a part of Arizona here. Well, thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to An Honorable Profession. Please subscribe to hear more amazing leaders. And keep asking your elected officials to be honorable. Boots Road Group produces podcasts. I'm Ryan Coonerty, and because we keep things honorable, no tax dollars were used in the making of this podcast. Mm-hmm.